Amen. Let's open up our Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Luke 15. I know that y'all want to get to your Father's Day lunch, but oh well, I'm going to keep you here anyways. If I can't eat, neither can you. I'm just kidding, guys. I'm not going to keep you too long. It's good to see everyone in here. Good to see you guys. Good to see you guys. Luke chapter 15. Today, uh, I'm going to be reading a story that we're all familiar with, especially um, if you've been with me for any Father's Days, because I, I like this message a lot. Me and Papa Joe, this is one of our favorite, favorite uh, parables, one of our favorite stories in the Bible. I love to teach this on Father's Day, and so we're going to be taking a look at the prodigal son, uh, starting in verse number 11. Before we go there, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, that you are a good father. And because you're a good father, we have an example. You empower us. You show us, you lead us to be good fathers as well. And so, Lord, we set our eyes on you, the good father. Jesus, we love you, Lord. Speak to us. Holy Spirit, speak to us through your word. Holy Spirit, breathe upon every page, every word, every letter, so that these words transform our lives. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, again, this, this parable, the, the parable of the prodigal son, was uh, one of three different parables that Jesus gave because a lot of sinners hung out with Jesus. Do you guys know that? Do you guys know that sinners hung out with Jesus? You know that, G I, let, let's, let me really wreck your religious mindset. You know that Jesus hung out with sinners? Jesus hung out with sinners, right? He hung out with sinners and the religious people didn't like that. They looked at Jesus and said, you know what, if, if this guy only knew who's sitting with him, he, if he really is a prophet, if he really is a man of God, he wouldn't sit with these people. And Jesus begins to just mess with them and give them these three parables about a lost sheep, about it. How many of you, if you lost the sheep, would leave the 99 for the one, and then you would return with the one with joy? You know, he spoke of another parable about the woman, the lost coin, you know, that she lost her coin. And when she found it, she told all the neighbors, hey, I found what I was looking for. And he talks about how there is a joyous moment. There is a joyous sound. There is joy that is released when, when a sinner returns back home. And I know none of, no one in here is a sinner. I know that, right? I know we're all perfect in here, right? I mean, this is redemption, right? We all got it together around here, right? This parable not only speaks to those that have never encountered Jesus, but this also speaks to us who at times feel far from God. I told you guys last week that one of the greatest revelations that you'll ever hear, one of the greatest revelations that you could ever receive is that you're a son and daughter of God. Amen? Let me Andrew, this is What's up, Drea? When did you get here? Snuck in? You did. It's good to see you, Drea. I heard click, click. I, I, I wanted to pose real quick. And then paparazzi. Um, 
I told you guys last week that one of the greatest revelations that you'll ever hear, one of the greatest things that you could ever hear God say is you're my daughter, you're my son. That's the greatest thing. You know, for years early on in my, my uh, faith, my desire was to be an evangelist. You know, I wanted to be like Billy Graham. Excuse me. I wanted to be like Billy Graham. I wanted to preach crusades and travel the world and do all these things. Like that was my desire. And I thought I was reaching for something great. I thought, man, Lord, you, you call me to this. I used to say I'm the Billy Graham in saggy jeans was a line that I wrote in a rap song. Billy Graham with saggy jeans, you know, like I, I want to be this, this. And, and I had this desire, this want to be at this level because I thought that in the eyes of God, that's what he wanted for me. That's what he wanted me to know. But it was in, again, through times with my son, through life, through, through being in God's presence that I realized that God didn't put me on this earth to be the next Billy Graham. He put me on this earth to be a son. And that changed everything because I found myself no longer striving to become something, but resting in who he says that I am. And this is what I want everyone here to understand. Your identity is not found in anything else other than Christ. And in Christ, you are a son and a daughter. And knowing that, believing that, embracing that, embracing the love of a loving father, a good father will change your life. Just like the woman that we talked about last week, the woman that pressed in, the woman that, that had the issue of blood, right? Everything, you know, her condition made her unclean. But soon as she heard the words of Jesus, daughter, your faith has healed you, that revelation set her free. And so I hope today that this parable that, that we're going to get into, I hope that it sets you guys free, that you guys know that you're sons and daughters of God. That it doesn't matter how far you are or how far you think you are, you're never too far from a loving father. Amen? Amen. Let's start here. Verse number 11, chapter 15. Luke 15, verse number 11 says, Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my portion of goods, or the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them, to, uh, divided them his livelihood. Not many days after, the younger son gathered together, journeyed to a far-off country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. So this son decided to take uh, this inheritance that was due to him, but it wasn't supposed to be passed down to him until the father died. Now, the disrespect of this son was that he basically was saying, hey, dad, I don't want you here anymore. I would rather you be dead because if you die, I get to take my inheritance and go do what I want. And so this just shows the condition of this, this son is that what he did was very disrespectful. What he did was very hurtful, but the father, because he was loving, he gave it to him anyways. You know, a lot of times we hear this story and we think about the, the prodigal son, but I really want us to focus on the loving father. Amen? Let's keep reading here. Verse number 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. 
I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. How many of you guys, and I'll let you guys raise your hand because it's encouraging to just kind of, if we've, if you've ever struggled with this, but how many of you guys have ever felt like you're not worthy for the love of God? How many of you guys, whether in your life or in a moment or in a situation, you just feel like, you know what? I'm just not good enough for God's love. And this is what this, this son was processing in his mind. He's thinking, you know what? I'm, I'm just, I have to go back and just be a servant because that's all that I'm worth. That's all that I'm good for. And this is where everything begins to change. And I hope this changes you guys this morning as well. Verse number 20. And he arose, the son arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off. This, this again, guys, like let's just smash all of these religious thoughts that you have to reach a certain level, that you have to, to be at a certain place before God loves you. This says that the son was far away and the father saw him. The father saw him from a distance. You know, religion will make us feel like we have to do, we have to go through all these hoops and jump through all these things in order for us to experience God's love. But God sees us from afar off. He sees us at our worst, and he still loves us. Amen? It says, and when he arose, he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. You all should have a bulletin today inside of your bulletin. Number one, write this down. There's pins in front of you. If your pin doesn't work, there's probably a little red ball that you need to pop off. If you're a greeter, you get that joke. Huh? I told the musicians today, man, you guys are playing in the key. Oh, the key of what are you guys doing? Number one in your notes, God, our father has compassion for us. God has compassion for us, Johnny. He has compassion. Little Johnny, God has compassion for you. Does he have compassion for me? He does, huh? My man. God has compassion for us. You know what compassion is? Compa compassion is the desire to eliminate one's suffering. Like God desires to eliminate the suffering that we go through. God desires to alleviate the suffering, to dissolve the misfortune. God desires to completely remove all of the hardships that you go through. Did you know that? Look, no father in here would want to sit and watch their child go through things when you have the ability to alleviate what they're going through, right? Let me tell you, there are some things that, that I'll watch Andrew go through and I will allow him because I know he could handle it. But if I ever saw Andrew in a situation and something that he could not handle, you better believe that I'd be right there saying, I got you. God is looking out for us, and he will eliminate anything that you can't handle. Amen? Andrew, let's turn this down just a little bit. I'm getting a little bit of feedback. I'm starting to get worked up. I'm getting into that. I got the warm-up lap going. I'm getting into that second lap. It's going to be the lapel, line one. Just bring it down just a little bit. Amen. 
God, our Father, has compassion for us. Psalms 145, 8 in your notes, it says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He's full of compassion. Like he's full of compassion. That, that means that, that if he showed compassion towards you today, and then next month you're going through things again, and you're like, Lord, I need, I need, he's not going to say, well, I gave you my compassion last month. That's all that I got. Like, no, God is full of compassion. Right? You know, like when we tell people like, hey, I only got this much for you today. You know, I only got this much for you today. So use it wisely. You know, like God's like full. He is full of compassion. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. Again, verse number 20, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Number two in your notes, God, our father covers us. Amen. He fell upon his neck. Right? He fell upon his neck. This is in the Bible. This is used in the same description when it talks about the Holy Spirit coming upon us. There is a covering, a falling upon that the Father, he covers us. He covers his kids. He covers his kids. Look at Psalms 91.4. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. You know what a refuge is? It's a safe shelter. You know when you need a refuge? When there's a war going on, when there's a battle at hand, when there is an opposition, you need a refuge, right? And you know what that refuge is? You know who your refuge is? A loving father who covers us. He is the refuge that we get to find safety in, amen? He is truth, or his truth shall be your shield and buckler. Let's keep reading here. Verse 21 says, And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. I love this part because there's nothing. It doesn't say anything in here, but I love that Jesus went right from Jesus is telling this story. Right. And he says that the son said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And then verse 22 says, but the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe. So it's like the son is saying, man, I'm not good enough. And, and the father was like, he didn't even acknowledge that. Like the father didn't even, he didn't even confirm or he didn't say, well, you know what? Yeah, you're kind of right. You know, you took your inheritance. You, you went out and did what you wanted. You, you lived a life that, that wasn't what I had for you. Like, he didn't say any of that. Like, the son was like, I'm not even worthy. And the, the father was like, hey, bring out the best for my son. You guys, repentance is beautiful. Conviction is beautiful. Any opportunity that we get to come and sit at the feet of Jesus and just say, you know what? I got some stuff, God, that I need you to forgive me for. There's some things, Lord, that I really need to work out in my life. That type of heart, that repentance is so beautiful. Because in the condition of an earthly, you know, heart, right? For us, we're conditional. And so you can come, you can hurt somebody and do something very disrespectful, but not everybody is going to be very loving after that, right? Not everyone's going to be like, oh, it's okay. Don't even worry about it. Like, we're going to be kind of cautious of like, all right, I forgive you because I have to, but hey, I got some boundaries kind of thing. Like, 
Like we can come to God with our junk, even though it's disrespectful. We've, we've dishonored him. We've disobeyed him. We could come to him and he covers us in such a way that completely removes our sin. That's beautiful. There is no love greater than the love of God. No love greater than the love of God. So verse 22, but the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, the best robe and put it on him. God, our father, number three, you know, it's God, our father clothes us with righteousness. God, our father clothes us with righteousness, salvation and royalty. God, our Father, clothes us in righteousness, salvation, and royalty. Isaiah 61.10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me in garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of, of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. A couple weeks ago, I talked to you guys about when we get saved, right? When you place your faith in Jesus, you are made the righteousness of God, right? The blood of Jesus covers you and washes away your sin. So now when the Father sees you, he doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your past. He sees the sacrifice of his son. That This is the robe of righteousness. The robe of righteousness is the blood of Jesus that covers us and makes us right with the Father. You know, like those old movies where like people wanted to go into a restaurant and, and they said, oh, you, you can't come in here unless you have like a nice jacket on. You, know, you got to put on a nice jacket. It's kind of like what they tell me, like, oh, you're going to be a pastor. You have to wear a collared shirt. I'm like, I don't know about all that. <laughs> the other day we were here and I had a collared, I had a button up shirt and uh, Pastor Bo and Lisa were like, or Pastor Bo was like, man. You look nice. Never seen you. I didn't have any clean T-shirts. I said, "Man, this is probably the nicest that I've ever dressed in this building before." You know, um, but you know, like sometimes you you have to have the right attire to go into a restaurant. You have to have the right attire, and then you get to put on that jacket. And you're like, "Okay, now you could enter in." Like this is what the robe of righteousness does. This is what the blood of Jesus does is like before that covering, before that robe was put on us, before we received salvation, we didn't have access. We didn't have access. But Jesus stood at the door and said, oh, you want to come in here, put this robe on. And I love that because none of us in here are righteous. And in our own strength, in our own ability, we can never be righteous but we get to say that we are righteous because of Christ. And I love that because we all need that. We all need that. Amen. Let's keep reading here. Uh, the second part of verse 22. So verse 22 says, but the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand. You know, when you get married, they put a ring on it. Aelia welded mine on. She's like, you're in, if I even try to remove this, I get it. I can't. It's like my, uh, I don't know if my hands got fatter or what from when I got married, 
But my couple about a year ago, maybe two years ago, my wedding ring, it it wouldn't fit me. I mean, it fit me, but it hurt. Like I'd wake up in the morning and my finger would be like a little swollen. And I, I was telling her, I was like, I can't wear this ring anymore. What's that? It's the dryer. <laughs> I threw it in the dryer. It shrunk on me. That's it. It's the dryer. No, I didn't put on a weight. It's the dryer. It shrunk my clothes. I'm going to use that, Richard. You just, you just boosted my confidence a little bit. That's it. But my ring wouldn't fit, and so I had to stop wearing it because it hurt. And let me tell you, Aelia was not having it. She was like, now listen, look, she's got, sometimes she'd be like, we're, we're out, we're driving. She's like, oh, I forgot my wedding ring, like nothing, right? Oh, I forgot to put my wedding ring on. But if I even step out of my bedroom without my ring, she's like, excuse me? <laughs> she's got a close eye on me. So I had to get, so this is what she, this is what I had to do. I had to get one that stretches. <laughs> because... She's like, you're not going to, the dryer ain't going to work no more because this is elastic. So you get one that ain't going to leave your finger. Where did I get it? At Dick's Sporting Goods. Dick's Sporting Goods, $10.99. That's right. <laughs> She's going to buy 10. Next week, Victor's going to have one on every hand. He's got them on his toes, a toe ring. One like uh, uh, the guy from the Denver Nuggets, just, they just won the championship. He ties his wedding ring on his shoe. Victor's got him on his hands. It's tied on his shoe. Sorry, Victor, if you're watching this, uh, if she gets you the stretchy. But th this, is the this is a sign of covenant, right? The wedding ring and the, pur the purpose of a wedding ring and a wedding ceremony and why we wear our wedding rings is because it is showing our spouse and it's showing the world that we have a covenant with someone. We're in covenant and the Lord makes a covenant with us, right? The Lord made a covenant with us. He, he made a covenant with us. And look here, Jeremiah 31. Oh, you know, write this down in your notes. God, our father has made a new covenant with us. God, our Father, has made a new covenant with us. Jeremiah 31, 33 says, But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. You know what the old covenant was? The old covenant, which was found within the law of Moses, the old covenant was do so that God will do. Right? The old covenant was you have to do so that God can, so that God will do. The new covenant is God has already done so that you can do. Do you see the difference? Right? This is the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant is that before Jesus, before Jesus put a ring on it, Okay, before Jesus brought us into a new covenant, there was things that we needed to do to gain righteousness. But then the new covenant, Jesus put a ring on us. He put a ring on his bride and he made a way, right? The new covenant, he says, I will do it. It will be done so that you can do. That new covenant allows us to rest. We no longer have to strive for a position in God's family, but we can rest that it is already done. Amen? And I love this about the way that Jesus used this in this story because 
He was letting everyone know, like, hey, I'm gonna, I will make you royalty. You're eating with the pigs. You, 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 you sinned against me, but you know what? I'm gonna bring you in, cover you, and make a new covenant with you. So he put a ring on his hand, and then he put sandals on his feet. You know, whenever you read about feet or shoes in the Bible, it's talking about where someone has been or where they're going. All right? Whenever you hear the, the whenever you read about shoes and feet in the Bible, it, it's referring to where someone has been and where they're going. And God is faithful to give us peace. Amen. Number five in your notes, God our Father makes it possible to walk in peace. Ephesians 6.15, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. God is faithful to cover where you've been, to cover where you're going so that your journey is peaceful, right? God puts sandals on your feet, meaning he makes peace with your past and gives you peace for your future. Some of us struggle with our past, right? Guilt and shame and condemnation. The sandals of God, the washing of the feet says, you know what? I am making peace with where you came from. You don't have to struggle with the, the shame and the guilt. You don't have to struggle with those things that you did in the past. I'm going to cover those things and allow you to walk in peace. I love it. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Verse 23. And bring out the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. How many of you guys are going to eat steak today? My man. Bo didn't, Bo, Pastor Bo didn't just say yes. He said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pastor Bo, he know, you know, because he spelled it with two Y's. Yeah, yeah. My God. Because us men, we like us a good steak, huh? Nice piece of meat, just good steak. Meat's not only just good to eat, but in the Old Testament, meat was used as a sacrifice. It was used uh, for the forgiveness of sins. I want you to write this down, number six in your notes. God our Father forgives our sin. God our Father forgives our sin. Hebrews 9, 12 through 14. This is not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. He forgave our sins. Man, again, this is why it's so important to have a repentive heart. A repentive heart, right? This is that heart that is always asking God, God created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. It is that heart that always comes before the Lord and says, you know what, God? I'm struggling with these things or I fell in this area. Please forgive me and help me to not go back there. I love it. I love it. God's a loving father who forgives us. Amen. 
He said, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. Verse 24 says, for this my son was dead and is alive again. Number seven in your notes, God our Father revives us with a newness of life. God our Father revives us with a newness of life. He revives us. He makes, he makes us alive. He makes us alive. He makes us alive. The sin that we were in, the sin that we were struggling brought death. Fulfilling the desires of our flesh brought death, but in Christ we have life and life abundantly. God our Father revives us with a newness of life. Ephesians 2.1, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Number eight, God our Father gives us joy. Because you give me peace. You give me joy. Everlasting. Amen. God our Father gives us joy. Psalm 1611 says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. 